Welcome to another episode of NIM Talk, a podcast for NEMT operators. My name is Eric Lane, and I'm the NEMT Practice Director for Bankers Insurance. I've helped dozens of NEMT operators put best practices in place and worked with them to expand their business to achieve their goals, and I'm excited to do the same for all of you listening. Our goal is to give you the tools necessary for you to enjoy the same successes as many of my clients. Well, we're excited to be back with another episode, and uh, this one is this one's coming to you from my basement. Um, as Virginia is under a stay-at-home order, uh, we are uh, in the house. Uh, my wife, who teaches, is home. Our almost three-year-old and our newborn are all all in the house together. So I've had to relocate a lot of my stuff from the office back to the basement. Uh, this episode was actually ready to go 30 days ago. And, you know, there's just a, a, a lot that went down, obviously. And so, you know, there has been a pretty substantial delay in getting this back up and getting this back up and going. Um, but I had the opportunity to go back and listen to the intro that we recorded to be, for this episode to be released 30 days ago. And, you know... So much has happened over 30 days that you know, there's there are memes out there about um, you know, this has been the this month has been the longest year ever, and so we wanted to just take the opportunity to to thank all of you for listening and uh, encourage you to continue to practice the social distancing that appears to be working. Follow the stay-at-home orders as as, as well as you can. And for our non-emergency medical transportation operators that are out there providing critical resources, we wanted to say thank you uh, for for doing what you can uh, to support your communities and hope that you're doing so in a, in a, in a safe way. And uh, we appreciate everything that you do. So we're focused at NIMTALK and at our agency and me individually, uh, we're focused on what's next. And so this show today uh, about Acuity Link uh, or with, with the people from Acuity Link is really interesting because it gives us an idea as to where transportation providers, or it gives us some information as to where transportation providers can really fit into uh, the continuum of care as it comes to transportation in a way that is very forward-looking um, and, 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 and exciting. And so the next couple of shows that we're going to put out, um, and we're going to put them out more regularly uh, as things have you know, started to normalize, um, are going to be focused on how a non-emergency medical transportation operator can come out of this and, and in a post-crisis world really succeed. Um, we're going to talk about best practices associated with that, contracting opportunities and how to go out and find them, recognizing that some of your competitors may be, may be off the road. And so now's the time, um, and without appearing opportunistic, now's the time to, to go out and generate that revenue, um, generate that additional revenue. So we're excited. Uh, so let's get into it. Our guests today are Alex Theoritis and Anoop Vidyarti of Acuity Link. Acuity Link is a comprehensive communication and logistics management platform that links health systems with NEMT providers and ambulance crew members for all levels of service and transportation requirements. In short, Acuity Link provides data driven insights to support the efficient allocation of scarce resources. They are the physical embodiment of Adam Smith's invisible hand. Alex is the CEO and launched Acuity Link after starting a successful NEMT operation in the Northeast. He used that experience to find and drive efficiencies in an inefficient process. And Anoop is Acuity Link's uh, chief technology officer and brought 25 years of healthcare, IT, and ops experience to the company. That gave him an invaluable insight into the problems that Acuity Link is set up to solve. 
this is truly is an amazing company and is doing really cool work and we're excited to watch them grow and we're really excited to get them on the show. The conversation with Alex and Anoop was fascinating and I spent hours afterwards working through how impactful their solution is and what it means to transportation providers. So without further delay, let's get into the interview with Alex and Anoop. So we'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, Alex, you founded a very successful transportation operator. Uh, why don't you talk about uh, the experience of standing up coastal and some of the observations uh, in that experience that you made uh, that eventually became the motivation for Acuity Link? Yeah, absolutely, Eric. Um, so, Co- coastal was um, sort of a unique, uh, unique experience. I uh, I started my career uh, originally as a firefighter paramedic. Um, living in a sort of isolated uh, population on an island, uh, saw a need and an opportunity to stand up um, the ambulance business. So started uh, originally with, um, you know, wheelchair vans and worked my way into the BLS, uh, basic life support and advanced life support um, space. And, you know, as we grew the business uh, and we got uh, contracts with larger health systems, we were experiencing challenges, uh, around understanding demand analysis, you know, time of day, day of week, level of care, uh, and the challenges associated with that was being able to staff resources to match demand. And and the challenge that the health system had uh, really was was their ability to distribute transports uh, based upon contractual obligations. So, at that time, uh, we were looking for uh, a, a technology solution to be able to do that uh, to serve our needs. Um, and again, the challenge was, you know, if I had, uh, for example, a 10 ambulances on that day, I couldn't figure out whether I was going to get, um, you know, 30 or 40 transport requests or whether I was going to get 15. And the reason for that was because it was all um, phone calls, faxes, and paper processes just to originate or make that initial uh, transportation request. So we were looking for looking for a solution to do that for us, and, and were unable to, um, to to essentially find anything. Uh, and then decided that we were we were going to build it on our own to try and solve uh, some of our own problems. It's actually a pretty common thing that we hear about. Um from transportation providers that have made that leap to um, providing some uh, a technology solution or a platform um, to solve a problem that they were having. And so as you came across that particular issue, trying to forecast demand analysis, how did you parlay that experience um, into uh, what Acuity Link is in, in today's form? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. You know, at the time, it was it was interesting because Uber and Lyft were starting to come into the space, and there was a lot of hype around what you know NEMT meant or what it means. Uh, and really, when I hear NEMT, you know, we think of interfacility, non-emergency, uh, ambulance transports, right, for routine um, patient appointments, or you know, uh, spoke to hub hospital to higher level transfer of care, advanced life support inter-facility emergency transports. Um, so there's kind of, you know, get, getting that distinction and understanding the difference kind of between the two uh, and, and, and taking that, um, take, taking that in-house and out, and, and out to the market. So what, as far as, as far as uh, 
you know, kind of standing that up, version 1.0 was we wanted the ability to distribute transports based on contractual obligations. So we wanted a system that could that could basically send um, send a request, a request be received, and then that request was imported. You know, the information of that request was imported in and out of the CAD system because historically, like I said, it was phone calls, and those phone calls would have to be manually transcribed. And if that, and if and if the uh, transportation request data was manually transcribed, it meant that the data um, potentially was 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 inaccurate. Um, so take, taking that first piece and automation of automation of the transport request with you know medical necessity authorization, uh, and then using that baseline data to help us hone in the operations to match resources uh, to demand. Uh, so that that was you know the original goal, and we were focused just on again solving our own problems. And then we realized that it wasn't you know this wasn't just an isolated issue in the market that we serve. We realized that you know it was really a global issue. Uh, it, so we 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 decided that you know we would we would uh, modify Acuity Link to meet all needs. So if you fast forward to today, essentially what we have is an emergency and non-emergency medical transportation logistics management platform for all levels of care and modes of transportation in any healthcare setting. So we focus predominantly on the higher levels of care, you know, ranging from critical care ambulance, advanced life support ambulance, basic life support ambulance, wheelchair transportation, uh, and then we also uh, have lift uh, fully integrated into our dashboard. So whether you're requesting, uh, you know, critical care ride or a lift ride, the user interface is is really seamless. Um, and then there are different things that transpire in the background, of course, for the higher levels of care because they're um, much more complex. So as we sat down and we start looking at things, we realized that you know it's not just a phone call uh, to request an ambulance. It, that phone call isn't the only thing that gets ambulance to, to the patient's bedside. There are lots of other things that need to happen, right? Radio transmission and communication, uh, crew members need full reports on, you know, clinical details and the patient's status to prepare them for that call, you know, to understand what types of equipment they need uh, and whatnot. So building in um, algorithms and, and features into the technology to understand patient clinical diagnosis, to uh, drive what level of care, uh, is necessary for that patient, building in algorithms in the system around uh, provider capabilities, the ability to match the right resource, the right time, the right patient, and also building in um, service level agreement logic uh, associated with that specific healthcare facility, right? So whether it's a hospital or a nursing home, uh, an urgent care center, or, or, or a health plan. So you basically were trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and just had to massage all of that to finally get everything to, to kind of fit together. And so when you were doing that, um, what did you find was the most congested part of that continuum of care? Because like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't just stop at a phone call. There's so much more information that goes into that. So in, your, in building out that platform, where did you find the most congested part was? Yeah, yeah, no. So, so the biggest challenge I think, as far as congestion goes, was you know hospitals and health systems and the movement of patients through those health systems. Mostly hospitals. We see a lot of patients being you know boarded in emergency departments, uh, and then you know the communication between hospitals and the ambulance providers, um, you know, and the data associated with that. So there's a shortage of EMTs and paramedics nationwide. There's some educational, uh, you know 
unintentional educational challenges on the hospital side of understanding what resources are appropriate for a specific patient. Um, so, you know, looking at those different things, I mean, the perfect example is, you know, you're in an isolated area um, and you have a hospital call you for, for uh, an advanced life support resource and they show up and the patient's really basic life support appropriate and that's your only ALS truck in the area and you have a two-hour transfer. And then 20 minutes later, you have a pediatric trauma, you know, that comes in to move that patient to a higher level of tertiary care and that ALS resource was improperly utilized. So I think those are, these are the factors that come in in, in uh, kind of parlay into the congestion piece of the healthcare continuum. Uh, and we're trying to solve those challenges and barriers up front by applying technology to to, to those scenarios that makes yeah that resonate there yeah that a, absolutely and uh, you're 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 attempting to solve or you're solving you're you're actively solving what is a what is a very basic what is a very basic principle which is an efficient allocation of resources and it's no secret that you know medical transportation process uh, is not necessarily an efficient allocation of resources and so how does that cause problems for healthcare facilities beyond having the wrong vehicle respond to, uh, uh, to a service call? Yeah, so, so just to touch on, I just want to go back to, you know, your question there. Just one piece that I didn't touch on that I think is really important to note is that the, the challenges that we're solving associated with non-emergency medical transportation, inter-facility ambulance are focused on the higher levels of care. Those are the patients that physically cannot get up out of a bed and move down to the lobby to free up that bed for another patient to go into, right? These are patients who require the movement from the hospital cot to uh, an ambulance cot and then, you know, transported. So the, the lift piece, in, in the older piece, in the, in the rideshare piece, is patients who can physically walk. So again, just focusing on, this is why we have focused on the higher levels of care, because those are the patients that you know we see are clogging up the health system, especially when you have a finite number of resources in the marketplace. Though our system does address that as well too, and that's why the technology offers the integration with Lyft as well too, as long as the patient can get to a curve as well. Um, so yeah. Eric, just sorry about that. Back to your 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 question. No, I think you kind of answered that question too. You know, how does this cause issues for healthcare facilities if you've got somebody that is, like you said, you know, using a bed that needs to be used for something else simply because they don't have the right transportation? Um, that 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 is a problem for healthcare facilities because they need to move people through those beds and. Um, that 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 process yeah. needs to flow more smoothly, and Acuity Link is designed around that efficiency. Yeah. Exactly, and the ability to to deploy Acuity Link regardless of what the market dynamics are. Right, we're not coming in and replacing brokers. We're not coming in and replacing uh, existing contracts between health systems and their providers. We're creating efficiencies through technology for all of the stakeholders associated with the life cycle of transportation. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, it's all about patient flow, and we're one of the important cogs in the wheel, if you think, in patient flow. 
transportation being one of the pieces. So we bring the technology, not just the tactical piece of it, efficiencies is the low-hanging fruit, Eric. Um, what we are doing is infusing it as the technology did not exist before. We're capturing the data and utilizing the data to help make that even more efficient. Ultimately, we want to cut down, literally cut down or eliminate the need of a conversation between a requester and a transportation provider to do that. You could just do that just like any other, you know, solutions that are out there in other industries as well. Now, I mean, one, sorry, yeah. keep going. No, one, one of the, you know, we, we always joke about this, right? When we first started Acuity Link, uh, I'm not going to give him credit on this phone call, but one of our colleagues used to say, you know, it's, it's interesting. You can track a pizza from the oven to your doorstep, but you can't order or track, you know, transportation for my mother or my grandmother. Right. I mean, it, this is just a couple of years ago, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. That's, that's a really good analogy. Um, I had to order a pizza for my wife's uh, school class today, and I knew the second that it left the store and was en route to her. But you make a really good point. But Anoop, I want to go back to something that you said a minute ago, uh, which is about patient flow. And your background in healthcare IT and ops offers a really invaluable perspective into healthcare system inefficiencies. And when you joined Acuity Link, what was the single thing, what was your biggest focus that you knew needed to be fixed and how did Acuity Link go about addressing that challenge? Yeah, so, you know, my background in, in IT, I was, again, looking at coming from payer space. I was looking at how do you make a process efficient regarding patient flow for the hospitals. And I know from a supply and demand perspective, one of the biggest issues is, especially even take it in emergency rooms or emergency departments itself, it was optimizing bed space from their perspective. And that, if you take a look at it, what we needed to do is, you know, is there a process on how to efficiently move the patients along? And there's all sorts of nuances related to bed utilization in the ER space. It could be boarding itself, too. That's a problem in, in itself. So I, the single thing for me was what interested me is that this is a very important key piece happening in a concentrated area within the hospital. That was what I, when I first joined, I was looking at it, but since then it's actually much larger uh, is what I've uh, learned to discover. And then also from a supplier perspective, and when I say the term supplier, I mean the transportation providers, the ambulance companies itself, how best are, how efficient it is and how are they efficiently utilizing the resources that they have. It's always an issue of there's not enough supply for the demand that's out there, and then also making sure that the demand is correct. So that that's the that's the entire process that actually you know um, excited me and and and, and brought me to the, to joining Acuity Link. We're going to turn now to the NIM Talk mailbox. You can always submit your questions to questions at nimtalk.com. The mailbox was a little bit thin this week, uh, which I guess should be expected when you take a little bit of a hiatus from posting podcast episodes, but we had a really good conversation with Mindy last week, Mindy uh, Kniebel of Kaizen Health, and uh, we had a question that was related to it. So 
question came from Cheryl in Arizona. She says, really good conversation with Mindy at Kaizen Health and really cool information about social determinants of health. Cheryl, uh, I'm glad that you think social determinants of health are cool because they are and they actually matter. Uh, to go back to Cheryl's question, she says, because it reminds us how important transportation is to people. Most of my work is Medicaid, but are other payers coming into the market? And the answer to that question is yes. And so while, you know, the, the thought or the reputation uh, of non-emergency medical transportation has traditionally been ambulatory, paid for by Medicaid and distributed by transportation brokers, that model, while uh, seeking to protect it legislatively, uh, because if you'll remember from our episode with Al Legacy of the Transportation Alliance, um, the transportation itself isn't necessarily... Uh, codified into law as a Medicaid benefit. Um, it is. Uh, it was protected as part of an early court ruling, uh, but there are ongoing efforts to legislatively protect uh, what is known to be an incredibly important benefit. Um, but so outside of Medicaid, uh, there are new payers coming into the mix. And so you've got uh, Medicare Advantage plans, which uh, beginning this year had a, a, a non-emergency medical transportation benefit in some of those uh, MA plans. And you also have commercial, uh, commercially available health insurers that are getting to the mix. And so we talked in the episode real quick about a study that was done, um, and I you know, couldn't remember what it was at the time, uh, but it was Change Healthcare's ninth annual industry poll survey of 185 U.S. healthcare leaders. And in that study, 39% of them plan to take action in 2020 on transportation as a non-medical barrier to health and care. And so you've got commercially available insurance uh, providers. So, I mean, think think about who they are. Those are United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, THP in Ohio and West Virginia. So you've got a number of commercially available health plans that recognize that for every dollar that they spend on transportation, they actually see a return on investment. And uh, to go to another study in 2008 at Florida State University, they found that every dollar that was spent on medical transportation, uh, the state got back $11.08, which is a ROI for those calculating of 1,108%. And uh, that ROI was calculated uh, using what the university called an extremely conservative estimate that one out of every 100 trips prevented a one-day hospital stay. And so the data is out there to support it. A lot of it is localized. Um, and if you go back to, again, the episode with Allegassi talking about some of the things that are going on legislatively that the Transportation Alliance is taking on, um, there is, a, there is uh, funding for a much more broad study. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, and I would encourage you uh, to, 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 be, uh, to be informed about what some of these ROI studies show, because if you're chasing down additional contracts, particularly on the facility side or the private pay side, uh, you may uh, want to be armed with some of these ROI studies. I would strongly encourage you to check out MTAC. That's the Medical Transportation Access Coalition. And their website is mtaccoalition, so there's two C's in there, .org. And this is a, 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 an organization that is, is, is dedicated to um, promoting medical transportation and the access to it. Um, and there is a ton of research studies that have been uh, been put on that website, so I would strongly suggest you checking that out. Um, but to answer Cheryl's original question, 
yes, new payers are coming into the market, uh, and it's a very exciting time to be a non-emergency medical transportation provider. So that was a great question, and we appreciate you submitting it. Uh, And now we're going to get back to our interview with Alex and Anoop. When you're looking for those transportation providers to provide an appropriate supply for a known demand, what are you looking for in those TPs? Um, Yeah, you know, we're looking at, you know, um, again, utilizing the data that we are capturing in our system. We actually can provide a lot of analytics in terms of how how to uh, level load the demand. So we are influencing when the non-emergency transportation requests are happening itself too. And and on the same side, on the transportation provider side, um, you know, enhancing that information to say that they are utilizing the right transportation, um, you know, as Alex had mentioned before, that the correct level of transportation is used. We are using the correct BLS or ALS according to the need itself. And also making sure, including with our you know technology, which is integrated with geofencing and geocoding itself, to utilizing and getting the appropriate vehicle which is nearest to the request, getting it there too. So optimal utilization of resources for a transportation provider is one of the values that our platform and our technology brings. And it really comes down to the data, and the origin source of data is the health systems, right? So having all that data and understanding the demand by levels of care, time of day, day of week, and then matching that with service level premium to provider capabilities becomes really valuable for those providers. Because as we all know, the emergency, the non-emergency medical transportation space and the interfacility ambulance space uh, run on very thin margins. So any waste that can be eliminated becomes extremely valuable to those providers. No, that's a really, really strong point, and I want to focus on that just for a second. So if a non-emergency medical transportation provider comes to you and says, you know, I'm interested in, in, in providing this type of service um, for you guys, you have available data to, to give them an indication as to how they need to resource for an on-demand trip? Yeah, so if our product is deployed in a specific environment or, or region, we have data from the source of origin around transportation and demand analysis that will allow them to match resources to that demand. Yep. I mean, that is the key. That is the key in this industry to run a yeah. lean and mean and profitable organization. It's matching resources to demand. Now, historically, what would happen is if you had three or four or five different providers serving a specific hospital or health system, all of that data lives within each one of their own systems, right? So in order to get that data, you would have to get four or five or six or seven different companies together to share that data, to to use it, to to analyze the data, to to make some sense of it, right? To match resources. And, and, And the data is being collected on a daily basis itself, too. So to answer your question, if it's a brand new market itself, too, we bring the transportation providers. And as the data is being collected on a daily, weekly, monthly, and, you know, basis, within three months and six months, we've got enough data that it starts influencing um, the decision-making process and the, and the, and I don't want to use the word, word buzzwords in the industry, the, the machine learning and the AI capability of the platform starts kicking in, in terms of demonstrating how to best utilize the resources for the transportation provider, as well as 
then there's capabilities that it can provide to the healthcare system to say, what are the right, what are the best times where you can actually plan a discharge if you can to, uh, to ensure that the transportation is happening timely, very punctually and correct level of transportation is, 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 is offered the moment you want it. See what's happening and, and what we're experiencing is as we, we analyze um, discharge demand data, you know, nationwide, what we're seeing in the hospitals and health systems is they're, they start discharging patients, you know, at 11 o'clock in the morning and they don't stop discharging patients until, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon, right? So uh, when you look at the data, for example, you may have, <clears throat> you know, I'll, I'll just use, use basic numbers, but you may have 100 discharges, you know, uh, on, a, on a Tuesday that start at 11 o'clock in the morning and 50 of them may be between 11 and noontime, but you only have 20 resources in the marketplace. So how do you handle that, right? And part of the challenge is you know, what we're seeing is in order for patients to be discharged, hospitalists need to come in in the morning and do their rounds, and they come in and do their rounds at 9 o'clock in the morning. By the time that case manager gets the discharge paperwork, it's 10 o'clock, 10.30, and by the time they pick up the phone and call the schedule of transportation, it's 11 o'clock. But every case manager is calling the schedule of transportation at 11 o'clock, so they're all fighting over the limited amount of resources that are in a specific marketplace, right? And then in the afternoon, what we're seeing is the emergency departments are starting to blow up and you know, well, get very busy in some of these, these health systems. And then they're fighting over, uh, essentially fighting over resources because there's no system-wide approach of the movement of patients and kind of what's going on as far as transportation goes um, in a whole. So... So my, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm just kind of thinking about how this works and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, my, my head's kind of exploding here. Um, because you can imagine in certain areas where there is, there, there would be a huge demand for this type of service. But then on the other hand, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you're in a rural area and you have, um, you have you know, maybe one hospital system that services a, a, a wide, uh, a much broader radius of communities, your transportation needs are, are very different than an, an urban setting. And my initial thought was, well, this se- this would seem to work better in, in in more urban settings. But is this a is this a product or is this a, a technology that can be deployed virtually everywhere? Yeah, regardless, regardless, absolutely. absolutely, regardless of the setting. I mean, that's that's really irrelevant. I mean, it, and and that's why that's why we've included all levels of carrying modes of transportation, and that's why the technology has been designed to uh, be decoupled in in certain scenarios related to what the sort of service level agreements are, who the providers are, how many resources are in a specific market. Um, yeah, we've had examples where we've gone and worked with the healthcare system itself, and after deploying the system after a while, we're able to identify that there is actually not enough. There's shortage in their in their transportation providers on the wheelchair transportation, for an example, and they're able to address that then by you know looking for what are the additional wheelchair resources. We're not in the business of creating transportation resources, but we're in the business of identifying where the heat maps are to be able to address that market, that that particular issue. 
Now, you don't have to tell me where the hospital or who the hospital system is, but I would love to hear, you know, if you're willing to share a, an example of how you, of where you guys came in uh, and were able to address the non-emergency logistics and communication issues. Kind of a real-world example, if you will. Yeah, so I think I think um, you know the, the perfect example uh, of that is you know the historic uh, service level agreement model that has predominantly existed in the interfacility ambulance space. So historically, what we've seen is um, an, an ABC rotation, if you will. So um, you know they'll call ambulance company A first, and then call ambulance company B second, and, and C, and so on and so forth. So so what, what we what we have seen is with that model, you know, you call ambulance company A uh, for a one o'clock pickup, and they can't be there till three o'clock. Well, the the secretary or the case manager or whoever's making that request would just accept that ETA. But what they don't realize is ambulance company B is sitting outside with an with an empty ambulance with no call uh, and available, right? Um, so what's happened now is it's created a two-hour patient throughput delay, right? Because they that they wanted the patient discharged at one o'clock, but they can't leave till three o'clock because they're waiting two hours for that ambulance to get there. But again, what they didn't know is ambulance company B was sitting outside with an empty ambulance and available to transport that patient, right? So with Acuity Link, what happens is uh, service level agreements are, are taken into consideration. So in our system, if that request existed for the one o'clock pickup and uh, ambulance company A was the provider and they couldn't do that request until three o'clock, what would happen is we would allow that pick, that transportation request to go to the other providers um, based on service level agreement. And if ambulance company B uh, could be there at the one o'clock pickup time, that's that two hour patient throughput delay has now um, been eliminated, right? So the patient moves, it's efficient for the health system, the transportation provider that was sitting outside that health system without a call to do is now being utilized properly. So their unit hour utilization is increasing. Um, and then the other the other part I think that's really important to note is what we see is, you know, uh, if if in fact that patient um, was on the med surge floor, for example, and being discharged to a skilled nursing facility, there's likely a patient who was in the ICU who's going to take that patient's bed on the med surge floor. And there's likely a patient in the emergency department who needs to go up to the ICU to be admitted. And there's likely a patient who's in the emergency department waiting room who needs to be moved into that patient's uh, uh, emergency department room. So it's it's not just affecting you know the movement of one patient; it's affecting the movement of multiple patients through the health system. So in that example, you know if you have four patients who are now moving into beds. You know, you're saving eight hours of patient throughput delays. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's at the, yeah. at the end of the day, that's basically the, that, that is the word that I would use uh, to describe that is, is amazing because you're impacting, like you said, I mean, you're just, you're impacting the, the coordination of care, the continuum of care and, and the patient experience at the end of the day, the patient experience is, is improved. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah, exactly right. I mean, you see the example where the hospital health system provides um, unbelievable care, uh, and then you know they're getting the patients waiting to get discharged, and their transportation resource doesn't show up for two or three hours. And who that ends up reflecting on is you know the hospital and health system. Um, 
you know, and, and it's not necessarily the transportation provider's fault. It's just we need tools that make us efficient. Uh, we need to be integrated uh, with the health system and the con continuum of care uh, and ingrained in that and working together in, in a, uh, a more finite partnership. It just goes back efficient allocation of resources. Pretty sure uh, Adam, Adam Smith would approve of, of, of Acuity Link. When you're yeah. when you guys are looking uh, for transportation providers to partner with, um, what are some of the key characteristics you're searching for in that individual transportation provider? Well, we're you know we're obviously looking for transportation providers who are willing to think a little bit outside of the box as well too. Uh, someone who's on the leading edge itself too. The system is not replacing their current workflows, if you will. It integrates with the CAD system that the dispatch centers use, and it, it integrates ultimately with all the technology that's on the ambulance itself, too. What it does is, um, you know, helps them to, um, you know, the low-hanging fruit for them is it hel helps in the communication itself, too, as you said. So the characteristics of the, of the transportation provider is really somebody who's willing to think outside of the box, not threatened by the technology, if you will, because it's only complementing what they have and ultimately are, are willing to look at the value of the data on how it's best going to help them in optimal utilization of their resources, time and allocation. And in some cases, they might identify areas where they're continuing to throw bodies. And it's not necessarily just by putting bodies on a problem. It's actually thinking outside of box and utilizing data to make those decisions. So you need somebody that's forward thinking. <laughs> that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're looking for somebody that that's not stuck in there, uh, stuck in their ways and is willing to, uh, is willing to partner with, uh, with acuity link to, to, to drive, to drive those efficiencies. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, it is, you know, technology being leveraged in the NEMT and the ambulance space is a must. I mean, it, you look at the reimbursement rates, um, if you look at the margins, it is a must. Like I said, the key to the non-emergency medical transportation business and the ambulance business is efficiency and elimination of waste. And you know, it's a very it's very complex. It seems very simple on the surface, right? Somebody makes a request and you move that patient, but it, it, it's not that simple. And we need the industry and a whole needs technology in order in order to help create those efficiencies and proper margins to run profitable uh, businesses. So, because of your partnership with uh, or your integration with Lyft um, for those kind of those ambulatory patients that are able to move uh, using their own feet, uh, in your in your search for transportation uh, providers to partner with. Are you more geared towards, you know, the higher level of service? Like if, if they're ambulatory only, that's not really somebody that you're looking to partner with. You're looking for somebody that has the capabilities to, uh, to provide, uh, you know, available resources on the wheelchair or, uh, or gurney scheduled space. I mean, we're, we are the, the, the higher levels of care, uh, is a focus. Uh, solely around the patient flow and patient movement, because again, those are the patients who cannot physically get up out of, you know, a hospital bed or a doctor's office and and walk into a lobby and wait for their ride. So that is a focus. Um, however, I think you know there's certainly an intermediate level of care between uh, the capabilities of ride share and um, 
you know, what I guess I would refer to as like specialty ambulatory patient transport. Um, so we're, we're certainly uh, looking at and evaluating um, those partnerships as well. That's but to answer your question, it's, it's valid for everybody. I mean, that's why we do have a partnership with Lyft. Mm -hmm. We would be looking at working within the, with a wheelchair company, a ambulant or a stretcher van, if you will. It all depends geographically as well, too, some, some places where it's needed, all the way to critical care. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, guys, I wanted to thank you for joining us, and uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing some amazing information. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Yeah.